Welcome to the Northway College Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I serve as college pastor here at Northway. And you are listening to sessions from our college retreat 2021. And at the retreat, our theme was the Shema. And the Shema was a, a prayer that was recited daily by the Jewish people. And it derives from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. And it says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And so our retreat over three sessions, we we discussed this these verses, this prayer, and what it means for us today. Sessions one and two, we had Adam Tarver, who's the college pastor at Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Athens, come and speak, and he did an incredible job. And then I wrapped up the retreat with session three. We did have some technical issues with the audio. So a couple of the sessions in the beginning, there are some issues, but it, it smooths out pretty quick. And then we had a little bit of trouble at the end of one of the sessions as well. But all in all, we were able to get most of it and, and have it put up for our podcast. So with that, we hope that you enjoy it. We hope that it is encouraging and beneficial for your life. Thinking hard to pay attention. Right. Like I open up my computer to watch a lecture. Right. And what happens? It's like it's really hard for me to pay attention to what the pro- pro- uh, excuse me, the professor is saying. Right. Like if you're in an in-person class, you have to at least have to like kind of pretend to pay attention. But whenever you're like online, it's so easy to not pay attention. So like my phone's right there. I'm getting text messages I want to reply to. Instagram's like two clicks away. If I'm watching class in a, a coffee shop, I'm just getting distracted by the people around me. It's absolutely terrible. And the worst part is this is the worst part is that I'll convince myself that I'm doing a good job paying attention. You know, like, I'm, I'm listening to the lecture. Like, it's there. I'm listening to it in the background, and I'll convince myself that I've listened, paid attention to the lecture, and I'll feel really good about myself up until quiz time, right? Like, it's time for the quiz, and I get there, and I'm feeling pretty good through questions one through three, but then I hit question four, and it's like one of those, like, really specific things that the professor said, and all of a sudden, I realize I'm doomed, Right? Anybody else felt this way? Is this just me? I'm a terrible student. That's fine. One of us. Thank you, man. I appreciate your honesty. You're the man. All right. Love you. All right. This is how I feel. And what I'm learning in seminary right now, what I'm learning through online classes, is that, is that there's a very big difference between passively listening and actively hearing. All right? There's a very big difference between passively listening and actively hearing. And I tell you all that for this reason, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to take some time to talk about the importance of drawing near to God to truly hear from Him. Not to passively listen, not to just passively consume, but to truly hear from Him. You see, this is a major part of what this prayer in Deuteronomy is all about. we got to do a little bit of a history lesson so we can actually appreciate this prayer, okay? What you need to understand is that this prayer was actually first given as a charge to the Israelite people from Moses, okay? If you know anything about the biblical narrative and the story of the people of God, you may be interested to know that Moses actually gives this instruction to the Israelite people as as part of his last discourse, part of his last charge before they go into the promised land. And so he tells them, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He goes through this with them, and he tells them multiple other things. 
And then the text tells us later that Moses dies and the people of Israel go into the promised land. And whenever they go into the promised land, this prayer, this charge had stuck with them so much that they began to pray it twice per day. They took this charge from Moses and made it a very personal prayer, a devotional prayer for themselves. And they would pray it once in the morning. And once in the evening, you could hear the Israelite people reciting this prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. You can kind of think of it like, it's kind of like an Old Testament version of the Lord's Prayer. Are you familiar with the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6? Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. You may be familiar with that prayer. You may have heard that prayer recited in a lot of different contexts. This is kind of like that. This prayer in Deuteronomy became like that for the Israelite people. And every morning and every evening, they would recite this prayer, and for good reason, because it's filled with so much truth. It's filled with such wise instruction, and it may sound simplistic in our English translation, but it is so incredibly deep, and what we want to do this weekend is to take some time to dive into this prayer, because what we know is that it's not just wise instruction and good principles for a specific people in a specific day. It's valuable for you and me as well. So what we're going to do this weekend is we're going to take our time and we're going to go through this prayer and we're going to examine some key words in this prayer and talk about the truths that they hold and what they mean for you and for me living in 2021. All right, and the first word that we're looking at together is the very first word in this Hebrew prayer and it's the word here. It's the word here. And what I want you to know about the word here in the original language is it's actually the word Shema. The Hebrew word for the word here is the word Shema. So this prayer is called the Shema, but it gets its name from the very first word of the prayer. So we're talking about the Shema prayer. We're talking about this very first word, this word Shema. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nerd out on you a little bit here. All right? We're going to dive into the deep end of the Hebrew language for just a few minutes. We're going to nerd out together, and we're going to learn some incredible things about this word because I've been fascinated by this over the past couple of weeks. Okay? All right. This word hear or listen, it's the word Shema, the word hear or listen in the English language does not come anywhere near to holding as much weight as the word Shema does in the Hebrew language. But you see, the word Shema does not simply mean to casually listen, right? And whenever we think of the word hear, it can be a very passive thing, right? Like my wife and I are staying with my parents this weekend and packing up. She packed a little noise machine because she likes to have a noise machine as she goes to sleep. She hits play right before we go to bed. She's not like actively listening to that though. You understand that? Like that's just background noise to help her fall asleep. Similarly to like if whenever you're studying, you like to listen to your, your music, right? To kind of tune out everything around you. You're not actively listening to that music. It's just to help you focus on something else, right? Or if you are actively listening to that music, you're not actively studying, right? Like, I mean, we like to have this background noise. We like to have it in the back of our heads to just, but to kind of drown out everything around us. But what you need to understand is that in the Hebrew language, those distinctions did not exist. There was not a word for kind of passively listening. This word in the Hebrew language doesn't just mean to listen. Get this. It means to carefully attend to, to hear and to respond, to hear and to act, to hear and to obey. What I found really interesting 
in studying for this weekend is this, is that in the Hebrew language, there's actually not a separate word for the word obey. There's not a separate word. The word shema encompasses both hear and obey. So to hear in the biblical sense is to obey. To hear in the biblical sense is to obey. It's to pay close attention. It's to be alert. It's to be attentive. It's not passively listening. It's purposely attending to. And whenever we think about that, we can create a category in our mind where we see those distinctions, right? Like it's really obvious to tell whenever someone is purposely paying attention to what you are saying versus whenever someone's kind of just casually listening to you. Right. Like whenever I think about this, I think about the times whenever I come home from work and I sit down on the couch and I pull out my phone and I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm just trying to check out for the day. And my wife comes and sits right next to me and she begins to talk to me about her day and she begins to ask me how my day is going. If I'm just sitting there going like, yeah, great. Sounds good. My day was fine. If I'm just doing that. Occasionally, Jillian will look at me and she'll say, hey, are you listening to me? What is she asking? Is she asking, hey, are your ears registering the fact that there are sound waves coming from my mouth? No, that's not what she's listening. She said that's not what she's asking. She's asking me, hey, are you paying attention? Hey, are you with me? Hey, are you engaging with me? And that's what this word Shema means. That's what this word means. It's a command. It's a command not to just casually hear, but to intentionally obey. And though our language, in our language, the word here may not encompass all that, we can still get this idea. And what we see is that this teaching, this idea of hearing from the Lord and responding to what he is saying is all over the thread of Scripture. We see this teaching in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, which is written in the Hebrew language. But we see it elsewhere in Scripture as well. We see it carry over to the New Testament as well, which is written in Greek. To examine that, I want us to go to a different passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, I want you to flip to the book of James. It's right after Hebrews. We're in the New Testament, the book of James. And I want you to join me in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Verses 19 through 25. I'm going to read these for us. They're going to be on the screens as well. So James 1, starting in verse 19, we see this idea as well as James says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of the man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and he perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What's James doing here? He's illustrating this same idea. He's trying to get the people to understand that it's not just about casually hearing. It's not just about casually listening to. It's about hearing and responding. This is James writing to his fellow Christians, telling them how they ought to be living, telling them that the things that they are hearing from the Lord ought to be changing the way that they live their lives. He's saying, hey, you need to humbly receive this word and let it change everything about who you are. 
are, how you live, how you move, how you act in this world. If you're just hearing, then your hearing is pointless. You don't need to just hear, you need to do. And then he gives us this illustration, which I think is pretty comical, kind of fun. And a uh, matter of fact, I think it's helpful for us to see. So I've actually asked my buddy Ryan to come up here and help us act this one out. Okay, can you give it up for your college pastor, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I actually brought a mirror from home. So shout out to mom and dad for letting me borrow your mirror last minute. This is great. Staring at myself on stage is really kind of awkward. So here we go. Ryan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand over here and I want you to look in the mirror. Can you see this? I need you to see your whole face. This? Is that better? We didn't practice this, ladies and gentlemen. All right? All right, can you see yourself? You can see yourself well. Decently well. <laughs> this is going great. All right, you can see yourself. You know what you look like. I want you to take it in. All right, it's, it, you look glorious, okay? I want you to take it in. Pay attention to what you're wearing. All that stuff. You're pretty confident? Are you sure you're confident? <laughs> All right, any adjustments that need to be made? Your collar look good, everything is good? You're pretty good. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn away from the mirror. That's terrifying. Let's not break it and get seven years of bad luck. Okay, I want you to look at me. All right, don't cheat. Look at me, stare me straight in the eyes. Let's get real awkward with it. Okay, Ryan, what color is your shirt? Oh my gosh, you're the worst. <laughs> Ryan, what color are your pants? What kind of shoes are you wearing? That's amazing. All right, still confident about your appearance? Just confident you know what you look like? Any adjustments that need to be made? I hope not. It would have been great if I found a way to, like, put a stain on your shirt, like, as I was walking by. In hindsight, that would have been a great idea. Okay, now, Ryan got all those questions right, okay? Why? Because he looked in the mirror. He used a mirror what it was for. It would have been weird, right, had he turned around, and I'd been like, hey, Ryan, what color shirt are you wearing? And he just confidently looked at me, looked at me in the face and said, purple tank top. If I'd have been like, hey, Ryan, what color pants are you wearing? And he just like, straight face as possible, pink tutu. Hey, Ryan, what kind of shoes you got on? Glass slippers. If he said all those things, you'd be like, Ryan, why in the world do you think you're some knockoff Disney princess, right? Like, what's going on here, right? But he didn't do that. Why? Because he used a mirror for what it was for. So, Ryan, congratulations. You passed the test. Give it up for Ryan. Can you take that mirror off? Now. That's a silly illustration, but I hope you get the idea, okay? Mirrors exist to show us our reflections, to show us the way that we look on the outside, right? And that whenever we look into a mirror, we can take time to correct that which needs some adjustments. We can correct that which needs correcting so that whenever we walk away from that mirror, we can walk away from that mirror confident knowing that we're, we look like the way that we want to look. We look the way that we want to look, right? That's why mirrors exist. And James is using this analogy here to tell you this is how you're meant to approach the Lord. This is how you're meant to approach God. You're not meant to approach a relationship with God. A relationship with God is not meant to be something that that you come to casually and walk away from unchanged. You're meant to be changed by interacting with the Lord. You're meant to know what he says and live differently as a result. James calls us in this passage to look, to persevere, to hear, but not just to hear, but to do, to change the way we're living based upon what we are hearing, based upon the things that we're learning, based upon the things that we're reading in Scripture. And this is the the moment, Northway College, where this becomes intensely practical for you. 
This is where this matters to you and me living in this day. Because my question for you tonight is this. Does this, the way that James talks about hearing and doing, does this describe the way that you're approaching God? Does it describe the way that you're approaching his word and his work? Listen to this. Are you coming to God with the intention of truly meeting with him, getting to know him, being known by him, and living your life differently as a result of being joined to him? Or are you just approaching him casually? Coming to him whenever it's convenient, whenever there's a need in your life, whenever disaster strikes. But then as soon as things go back to normal, you move on as if God had no major role in your life. Are you investing in the things of Christian community, coming to church, participating, serving? Or are you just letting those things kind of fall by the wayside whenever your life gets busy? You, you, you're cool with coming to church. You're cool with investing in Christian community whenever it's convenient for you. But as soon as school gets busy, as soon as other things come up, church, Christian community, time in the word, they're the first thing to go. How about the way we approach God's word? Are you approaching God's word as something to be cherished, something to be prized, something to meditate on and to value above all else, something to dictate the way that you live and move here on this earth? Or are you just viewing it as something that's casually beneficial to your life? And you'll pick it up and read it every now and then whenever you're feeling in the right mood or whatever. But it's not something that you're actually allowing to change the way that you live. Or maybe you do read it more often. But the question becomes, are you reading God's word to truly commune with him, to truly know him, and to be mastered by the words that it says? Or are you just reading God's word to feel good about yourself, to check off an item on a Christian spiritual checklist, and to, to make you feel like you've accomplished your Christian duty for the day? Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to ask these questions to, to shame you or to rub your face in any deficiencies or to tell you to just buck up and do better. But what I am trying to show you is what is needed to be a truly devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. This is my heart behind all of this. What we know is that the world that we live in is on fire. There's darkness everywhere. There's division everywhere. There's hatred everywhere. There's all kinds of brokenness, pain, and evil. You know that. I know that. We all know that. That's no secret. We've all felt it. We've all experienced it. We've all walked through it in some way or another. There's great pain, and there's great brokenness, and there's great darkness in the world. But here's the deal, y'all. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, then you know the one hope for all of mankind. You know that apart from Jesus, mankind is only destined for more darkness, more brokenness, more pain, but that with Jesus there is light. With Jesus there is hope. With Jesus there is a light that shines into the darkness and that the darkness will never overcome it. If you believe in Jesus in this room this morning, what you believe is this, that God sent his son to leave heaven, to come to earth, to be born of a virgin, born of the spirit, to live a perfect 
life and at the end of his life to lay down his life on a cross, taking on the sins of the entire world, yours and mine included. He was crucified that day, satisfying the wrath of God and that he was buried in a tomb, but that he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose to life, that he defeated the powers of darkness. He defeated the powers of evil. He defeated the pain, the death that we all walk through and that he extends his hand to all humanity and that anyone who would trust and follow him and declare him to be their Lord would receive salvation, would be brought from death to life. That's what you believe. But hear me. That salvation is not just for you. You're not just saved so that you can sit casually by and wait for your ticket to heaven to come. You're not just saved so that you can just chill out at Christian events and wait for your time to die and then go join him in heaven. That's not what your salvation is for. You are saved so that you too can go back into the brokenness yourself, so that you can go back into the darkness yourself, and so that you can be an ambassador of hope, an ambassador of light, an ambassador of the kingdom, and that you can proclaim a better way, so that you too can point to this Jesus that you have come to know. But hear me, hear me, you will never be an effective disciple of Jesus if you approach your relationship with him casually. You will never be an effective disciple of Jesus if you approach your relationship with him casually. A casual approach to a relationship with him does not honor him, and it doesn't do anyone any good. What I want you to understand tonight from all of this, from the talk about the Shema to the teaching with the mirror to the word of God is this. This is the main point for tonight. It's that we're not just called to casual religion. We're called to intentional devotion. We're not just called to casual religion. We are called to intentional devotion. If you are truly going to be a part of the people of God, seeking to accomplish the purposes of God, we must not settle for casual religion. And hear me, this is so easy to do, especially where we live. I don't know you. I don't know your stories. I don't know where you grew up, but I know mine. I grew up here. I grew up in the South. And let me tell you, here in the South, it's really easy to settle for casual religion because there's a church on every corner. There's people filled with them every Sunday. It's, it's the thing to do in a lot of families. We come to church. We participate in Christian activities. We're there whenever the doors are open, but we're just settling for casual religion because we're actually not letting it change the way that we live. And I'm just telling you, we can't settle for that. We can't casually approach God, scripture, community, mission. We can't just do these things whenever it's convenient to us because the state of our world is too dire. We're talking about the things of eternity here. We're talking about people's souls, people in your classes, your friends who do not know Jesus. We're talking about their eternity, y'all. This is real. And what we need is that we don't need more casual religious people. We need men and women who rise up, who are committed to intentional devotion. To intentional devotion. What do I mean by that? I absolutely love this word devotion. I've been learning about it a lot here recently. That in the Greek, the word devotion is the combination of two words. It's the combination of the word good and the combination of the word to be close beside or to attend carefully to. So the word devotion literally means to get really good at remaining close beside, to get really good at attending carefully to. 
It has an, a passive element of kind of sitting near someone, but also an active element of attending to their needs, attending to their desires. So whenever I tell you that we need people who are committed to intentional devotion, what I mean is that we need people who get really good at drawing near to the Lord, spending time with him, carving out real time in your day to spend time with God, not just Sunday mornings, not just the occasional proximity on a Friday night, not just the occasional Northway College retreat, but truly carving out time in your day to sit with your Bible, to read God's word, which we believe to be sharper than any two-edged sword, living and active, sitting with God's word, meditating on what it says, and then letting it change the way that you live. That's what devotion is. That's intentional devotion. It's hearing and doing. It's not trying to receive more information. It's being committed to moving out in action. It's not casually listening. It's intentionally obeying. It's Shema. This is what I want for you. This is what we should be striving for. This is why Ryan and Sarah do what they do, y'all. They, they do what they do because they desperately want you to be in a real relationship with the God of the universe. To know him and to be known by him. To hear from him and to obey him. To attend to his word and to his work. That's the heartbeat of this weekend. And so my challenge to you this weekend, to, that, to the rest of tonight and all day tomorrow, is to press in. Because here's the deal. I don't know why you're here. I don't know you. You may be here because you're a committed follower of Jesus, and you deeply desire to draw closer to him. You deeply desire to know him more in his word, and you're hoping that this weekend just really serves as a catalyst in your faith to stir you up to more devotion in him. Praise God for that if that's you. And this weekend absolutely can be that for you if you press in. Maybe you're here tonight, and if you're being honest, reality check here, you, you're approaching your relationship with God more casually. You're more of a casual Christian. If that's you this morning, if that's you tonight, I want you to understand that God desires so much more from, for you. He desires so much more for you. He desires to be in a true relationship with you. And that can happen. That can happen this weekend. You can experience him in a new and fresh way, even tonight, even this weekend, if you press in. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not walking with Jesus at all. You're just here because you heard this was going on. You heard there might be some free food and you just wanted to get out of your dorm. You wanted to get out of your apartment. I want you to know if that's you, praise God. I'm glad you're here. But what I want you to know is that there is a God of the universe who desires relationship with you. This is real life, y'all. This isn't make-believe. This isn't pretend. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the source of all life. And he desires relationship with you. And you too can hear from him tonight. You too can enter into a relationship with him tonight if you choose to press in. Wherever you are tonight, I want to encourage you, let's press in together. Let's draw near to the Lord together. Let's truly seek to hear from him and leave this weekend changed. Because here's the deal, weekends like that, like this, exist for a reason. And it's for more than just the weekend. Because weekends like this only matter if they affect your life on Monday. 
Weekends like this only matter if they affect your life next week and next month and in the months and years to come. We're not just interested in having you worship Jesus tonight. We're not just interested in hearing you dive into God's word tonight. We want you to create a lifestyle. We want you to create a lifestyle of intentional devotion. We want you to hear from the Lord. My hope for you this weekend is that it would give you the opportunity to draw near, to experience more of him, to hear from the Lord and to move out in to the world change. I want you to Shema. I want you to know that there's a God who loves you and is calling you into something far more than casual religion. He's calling you to intentional devotion, a life lived for his glory and for the good of those around you.